If we haven't met before, I'm Ashley, and I'm the senior pastor here. And like John and Elise said, this is our final installment of Roots. Man, I love what God has been doing through this series. Can we just give it up for Jesus? Come on. We're learning to orient our lives around rhythms and relationships that are rooted in the ways of Jesus, and we're experiencing life the way that God meant for it to be. And today's message is called Spiritual Health. Tell the person next to you, Spiritual Health. And tell them, you look good. Might as well give them a compliment. You're going to be sitting by each other for the next 30 minutes. Last week, we talked about how we are three-part beings. We're a spirit who lives in a body, and we have a soul. And we looked about what God said about our bodies and our souls. And today, we're going to focus on our spirit. And this is the part of us that lasts for eternity, the part that returns to God one day when we die. Let's look at Ephesians 2.12. It says, you lived in this world without God and without hope. That's all of us before Jesus. Verse 13, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. We had no hope. Then we trusted in Jesus. And at the cross, Jesus took on our sins, all our shortcomings, the places that we missed the mark and didn't meet God's perfect standard. And Jesus gave us his righteousness. And when we trust in him, he puts his spirit in us. Love that new song we're singing today. Spirit, we love when you're with us. Our spirit was born again. So we have God's spirit within us. Sometimes he has a special manifest presence where he rests on us like we're singing. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, The one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. So when you trust in Jesus, you are one spirit with him. I love it. It's so exciting. And that word there, joined together, it really means to cement together. So, I mean, there's no unconnecting you and Jesus and his spirit. We're cemented. So we have Jesus' spirit in us. And then Colossians 3.3 says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So Jesus is in us, and we're hidden with Jesus in God. Jesus sums it up like this, John 14.20. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I'm in you, you're in me, we're in the Father. Are you getting confused yet? So here's, here's what it looks like. These are not to scale. This is the Holy Spirit, me, Jesus, and God is the big bag. So the Holy Spirit, when we trust in Jesus, our spirit wakes up, the Holy Spirit is in us. So cool. I know you see us, but the Holy Spirit's in us. And, you know, he gives us fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. He's in us. And then we are in Jesus. So really, when you look at us, you actually see Jesus in us, right? The blood of Jesus covers us. He gives us credit for his righteousness. And in Jesus, all of God's promises are yes and amen. And whatever Jesus has... I also have, because I'm in Jesus. We're inseparable. And Jesus, he's in the Father. He just fell over sideways in there, but he's in the Father. Yeah, our lives are hidden with Christ in God, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Psalms say that God is a shield around us. We're hidden in God. We're in Jesus. And we have his spirit in us. And our, our spiritual health is not about trying to get closer to Jesus. We're already in him. 
but it's about learning to walk in the relationship that we have because of the cross. Our life is about embracing by faith every part of what Jesus did at the cross, and we spend our whole lives getting to know him. Colossians 2.6 says, As you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk, regulate your lives, and conduct yourselves in union with and conformity to him. As you have received Christ, so walk in him. How did we receive him? Did we do something special? We believed. That's it. By believing. We received Jesus by believing. How do we walk in union with him then? By believing. As we believe, we become more like Jesus. Philemon 1.6 says, My prayer is that our fellowship with you as believers will bring about a deeper understanding of every blessing which we have in our life in union with Christ. We are cemented together with Jesus, and because of Jesus, we have all of his blessings. And we spend our lives getting to know and getting to understand what that is. It doesn't get any deeper than understanding what Jesus did at the cross. And when we actually understand who we are because of Jesus, that changes everything that we do. And sometimes we get it backwards. We put the do before the who, and we equate what we do with our worth and our identity. But we are not what we do. We are one with Jesus, hidden in God, because we believed. Embracing our relationship with God changes who we are. And our being with God impacts our living for God. So what does it look like? For Jesus, doing for God came from being alone with God. When he was busiest, the key to his success in his ministry was that he made time to be with God. When it would have been easiest to say, oh, I'm too busy, God, I got a lot going on, he rooted his identity in his relationship with God. And we can learn from this. Luke 5.15 says, Now more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases, but he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. So Jesus took time from saving the world to do two things that we can learn from. If he took time from saving the world, we can do this too. First thing he did, he withdrew to deserted places. He practiced solitude. He practiced being alone with God. He disengaged with people so that he could engage with God. He also disengaged from his work, which meant that he had to trust God with the outcome of the things that he was leaving undone. Jesus, the Savior of the world, fully God and fully man, he embraced his humanity and his need to be with God in order to have something to give away to other people. And we have the same need. Isaiah 26, 9 says, My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. We were created to have a relationship with God. And our soul and our spirit, they want to be present with him. And sometimes we don't realize it. You know, we feel like we're searching for something, or we feel stressed, or we feel unsatisfied. That's that longing to be with God. We were created to have a relationship with him. We want to be present with him. So Jesus took time for solitude, and the second thing he did was to pray. And this was a regular rhythm that he made in his life. And we see it again, Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is a rhythm available to us. Whether it's a few minutes in the morning, whether it's walking on your lunch break and talking to God, whether it's in the evening or a combination of all those things. 
Set aside time to encounter God and open up your life to him. Not to check a box, not to throw up some prayer requests, but to experience his love, to explore the dimensions of his love, to enjoy it the way you enjoy a sunset, to enjoy him, to appreciate him the way you appreciate fine art, to embrace who you are in Jesus. Just like we have different types of silence with our loved ones, we can experience God in moments of silence too. I think about the hard times in my life when my husband and I would sit in silence, you know, after the loss of a job and just be present with each other. Or the good times, you know, when we had our first child and we just sat there staring at her in silence, like, this is such a good moment. Our society is more overstimulated than ever before in history. Our minds are bombarded with tasks and relationships and good things and distractions. Maybe you're thinking about all the things you need to do after church today, feeling a little distracted right now. When we don't give ourselves a chance to recover, to get away with God, we feel exhausted. We feel overwhelmed. We have trouble focusing. Overstimulation impacts our ability to learn, to have quality relationships, and it affects our emotional well-being. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Just like Jesus got away to pray, he invites us to get away and to learn his rhythms. That's what we've been doing this whole series, to experience the free and light life we were created for. So practically, what does it look like? Um, one framework that I use is called Lectio Divina. It looks at God's word not as a text to be studied, but as the living word of God. And this is just a process. Maybe you do something else, but when someone taught this to me, I was like, this is so helpful to me in my walk with God. And so I hope it's helpful to you as well. This is where we let go of our own agendas and we open up our lives to what God wants to say to us because he's speaking. Sometimes we're just not listening. Hebrews 4.12 says, Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word helps us to know our hearts. It helps us to discern our motives. It gives us clarity. It gives us direction. Scripture, reading scripture is a great place to just start your time with God. So you get alone in solitude, and then you start reading his word. That's step one. It's called Lectio, just reading his word. How do we decide what to read? It's different in different seasons. Sometimes I'll be driving and God will bring a sentence to my mind, a word of scripture that I need to look up, and then I'll read the context around that. I'll meditate on those things that he's saying to me in that moment. Other times it looks like maybe something from Sunday's message where it's like, oh, that's awesome. I, I need to study that more this week. I need to get that in me because, yeah, I'm excited about it, but it's not in me yet. Or maybe I just Google something because I got things going on in my life and I need God's guidance and I don't know exactly where to look in the Bible. I Google it. It's not that scientific or spiritual, you know, just use Google. If you need a Bible, a great place to start is by downloading the free YouVersion app on your phone. It's got all kinds of uh, different translations. I like to read the message version because it's the most conversational as far as the way we speak today. And then I also read the NRSV which is the most accurate translation to the original languages. When we read, it's not like reading homework, like, got to get this done, check, get on with my day. It's like, no, 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 what is God 
saying to me. It's slow reading. It's attentive reading. It's meditation. That's the second step. I know we get weirded out by the word meditation, but listen, it was God's before it was anybody else's. Meditation. So step two is meditatio. Meditatio. The Bible says that joyful people, in Psalm 1-2, delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. When we meditate on what God says, when we have our roots in his word, the word that existed from the beginning, the word that was with God and was God, when we delight in his word, we are like trees on a riverbank. They always have water to source from. They always have fresh water. They're always thriving. doesn't matter the season. It's our source and our sustenance. It's called our daily bread. And when we meditate on it, we're understanding our relationship, our union with Jesus. We're being fueled by his truth. His word takes root in our lives, and it produces fruit like that verse promises. It changes us. It changes our mindsets. It changes our identity. It changes our coping mechanisms, our reality. Isaiah 55, 11 says, I send out my word, and it always produces fruit. Isn't that so cool? We can sit down and read the Bible, and it will always produce fruit. What else do we do during the day that always produces fruit, that's guaranteed 100% success rate? I don't know. I send out my word and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. That's so good. So we meditate on God's word. We get it in our being. We pour over the words on the pages like when you get an exciting email from your boss at work and they're just telling you like, you got a promotion or you get a text from someone you love who's encouraging you and you show it to all your girlfriends or all your guy friends. You're like, this is so exciting. And you think about the words of it throughout the day. I was so excited this week. I was reading something about Elisha and I just had to share it with our staff because I'm like, it's jumping off the pages at me. Come on. I love what God is saying. And it's the same with his word. When we're reading it, it's alive. It's living and active. Let it speak to you. As you read, focus on the word or phrase that the Spirit is saying to you in the moment. And say, God, what do you want me to get from this? What are you trying to show me? And then the third step is oratio, which is prayer. Oratio, just prayer. Speaking to God from your heart, whether it's out loud or in a journal, it's responding to what he's saying to you. Maybe it's just a few sentences. Or maybe it's a whole gush of things that are just coming out of you that you want to talk to God about. The last step is contemplatio. Contemplatio. It just means contemplation. This is the, my favorite part. Resting in God's love. Sitting in silence before him and letting him love you. Letting him fill you. Being rooted in love. Letting him change you. Letting him transform you. We read, meditate, pray, and rest in his presence. It's so normal in our culture to be full of distractions, to be full of worries and plans, that our inner world is just jam-packed and there's no room for God to fill us. When we do this, we make space for God through solitude and silence. You know, our ability to be silent with someone is largely dependent upon our relationship with them. When you go out to eat with somebody that you just met, you probably feel the need to keep the conversation going. You know, there's an awkward silence and you're like, uh, let me ask you another question. 
make sure that there's no dead space in our conversation. But the more familiar you are with someone, the more you can just rest in their presence. My husband and I have been married for 15 years, and when we started dating in high school, all we did was talk, 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 talk for hours, you know. Back in the days when you had corded phones, yep. Talk for hours. You hang up first. No, you. And then we would write each other love notes. We have a picture. I saved all the love notes my husband gave to me. I think we have a picture. We don't have a picture. We'll have it for our next experience. Watch it online if you want to see the picture. So I still keep all the notes he wrote to me. There's so many words. We had so many words to say that phone calls weren't enough. You know, you got to write notes too. Now, 20 years later, there are times when we talk a lot, and then there are times when we just sit and enjoy each other's company, and we don't have to talk. On long car rides, when we're just enjoying the scenery, or when we're on a walk, we're just resting and enjoying life together. In the same way, we can rest before God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I love this verse. Be still in the original Hebrew means relax relax and know that I am God. Allow yourself to relax and know how much God loves you. Be still and know God. Not to produce or achieve or try to impress God, simply know God and let him love you. Not trying to hide or cover, but letting your soul and your spirit be naked before him. Let him see you for who you are, to know his love and be known by him. We talked about this in depth at Impact Night this week. Give me a shout if you were there. Come on. Ephesians 3.17 says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We put our roots in love. We put our roots in God, who is love itself, and when we're rooted in him, we begin to discover the heights of his love, the depths of his love, and to know a love that's beyond all knowledge, to know a love we can't even really fully know until eternity that fills us up and makes us whole. And the word here, know, it talks about personally experiencing his love. It's an intimate level of knowledge. And as we're connected to his love, as we rest in his love, his love changes us like nothing else can. Under the old covenant, the way we related to God was we were commanded to love him. But in the new covenant, because of Jesus, we simply remain in his love. We put down roots in his love. We explore his love. I've been reading this leadership book for my mentorship program about Lewis and Clark and how uh, they were tasked with exploring the Louisiana Purchase by Thomas Jefferson. And they were going to go all the way to the Pacific Ocean and they had maps and things that they were studying and ideas about what the Europeans thought the Western U.S. looked like, but they were completely wrong. They thought they needed canoes because there would be a water pass from the east to the west. They found there was no water pass, and the terrain was not what they were expecting. It was not like the east. They found deserts and plains, and you know what people had assumed for hundreds of years was wrong. What assumptions do we have about God? No matter how long we've been following Jesus, there are still places where we haven't scratched the surface of God's love. There are places we haven't experienced the depths of his love. Come on. We cannot comprehend the totality of his love. We spend our whole lives exploring it, which I think is really exciting. As we explore it, this is how we grow. 
getting to know our Father's love by going past what we already know, going past what we've heard about God from other people, and experiencing it for ourselves. We put our roots in love. And we do that in solitude and silence. Psalm 131.2 says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is with me. I love this verse. Nursing babies who are hungry, they're always looking for food. If they're with another person, not so much, but if you give them to their mama, they start reaching around and they're like, okay, where's the milk here? Especially if they're like a toddler. You've probably had some awkward moments you've seen before where they're like lifting up their mom's shirt, pulling down their mom's shirt, like, let me in there. <laughs> it's true. And it's awkward, but it happens. But a wean child, they're not looking for anything except for their mom's love. A wean child rests in the arms of its mother. It's satisfied. It spends time with the mother not because it needs to eat, not because it needs something, but because it wants to. And when you're a parent, there's nothing more satisfying than when your toddler crawls up on your lap and just wants to be with you. And that's what a quiet and calm soul is like. It's satisfied in the arms of the father. We don't like silence, but our soul longs for it. Studies show that the average group can only bear 15 seconds of silence. That was 10 seconds. <laughs> Are you guys okay? That was really hard. We don't like silence because we're afraid of our own thoughts or things we might discover or things that we don't ever stop to think about. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't judge who we are in the silence. He wants you to talk to him about your thoughts. He wants you to know you're not alone. He wants to be with you in the silence. In the silence, we allow God to transform us. In the silence, we open up ourselves to him speaking. In the silence, we let go of our agendas and we surrender to his will. Silence creates space for God to speak. We see this with the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19.11. It says, There was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Can I just say, it sounds like it's the end of the world right there, if I'm Elijah. Like, rocks are breaking apart, there's wind, there's fire. And here we go. After the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Some translations of this say a still, small voice, but the original text says the sound of silence. The sound of silence. Reminds me of that old Simon and Garfunkel song, or Disturb Redid It, the sound of silence. You thought they invented it. No, no, no. The sound of silence is how God was speaking to Elisha. God spoke to him out of the silence. The silence after the chaos is full of the presence of God. We want to grow in recognizing and responding to the presence of God. It's just called discernment. We want to be familiar with his voice so we know when he's speaking. And when he speaks, we want to listen to what he says. We have too much to do in too little time. We're overloaded and depleted. It's normal in our generation. And we need his help to know what to focus on. 
Our lives are full of choices, who to marry, what friends to have, whether to pursue higher education, to move, excuse me, to move. We want to make our choices in God. We want to have our being in Him. We want to live according to the purposes for which He brought us to this time and this place. And He has a better view than we do. Our theme verse for this series talks about surrendering our lives to Him. Romans 12:1 it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's saying, offer your life to God. Let him renew your mind and change you from the inside out. And as he does that, you'll be able to discern what he wants you to do with your life.